Shalom, and welcome to Parasha Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abraham Fisher, and this week we are talking about Parashat Chukat. Uh, this is the parasha that we read in, uh, in Israel. Uh, parashat Chukat uh, has uh, one introductory section, beginning section, that deals with areas of halacha, and then the rest of the parasha uh, deals with some important events as we will we will go through them. But we begin with the beginning of the parasha, uh, and that is Zot Chukata Torah. This is the statute of the Torah, and we're talking about uh, the statute, the law that's very hard to understand, uh, known as the law of the Para Aduma, the red heifer, and also related matters, uh, matters that relate to tum'ah that is caused by a dead body. And this is an area of halacha that is, uh, that indeed defines, defies uh, categorization or, or uh, comprehension, uh, but we do the best that we can, certainly, uh, to, uh, to see what the halacha is. So, uh, we begin by saying that uh, we are to take uh, a red heifer, which is completely red, and uh, it is it has uh, never been worked. It's a certain age. Kohen takes it, and when it is the right age, it is slaughtered. The blood is sprinkled towards the Mishkan. This is not done in the Mishkan. Uh, it's done uh, outside of the Mishkan, but facing towards the Mishkan. And then... Uh, it's burned in its entirety outside of the Mishkan. Into the uh, burning uh, are also placed uh, some cedar, uh, azov, uh, which uh, is a kind of a weed that grows, as well as a red cord. Uh, anyone who's involved in this process is tame for one day, uh, which is... Uh, one element that is uh, very difficult to understand. Um, after all, the this process is going to bring about tohorah, making somebody tahor after being in contact uh, with the dead. And yet, those who process the para aduma uh, are themselves tamei for one day. As we say, it makes the tamei tahor and the tahor tamei. Uh, this is. Uh, very difficult to uh, to understand, uh, and yet the Torah requires us to uh, to obey. Uh, then the ashes uh, that are collected, and uh, if somebody is, or a utensil is uh, becomes tamei because of contact with with a dead body, uh, then uh, the ashes are added to spring water. Uh, and then sprinkled using azov onto the uh, corpse tumah, uh, a person who has contracted corpse tumah uh, on the third day and on the seventh day. Uh, the tumah itself lasts for seven days, uh, can affect both people and utensils. Uh, if a utensil has a tight-fitting lid, that can save it. Um, and... Uh, these are these and many other details are uh, are discussed here, and uh, indeed the whole concept of tumah is very uh, very mysterious, very difficult to understand. Uh, but this is the tumah 
that is caused by a uh, by a dead body. Uh, in fact, the rest of the parsha contains a number of incidents of death, uh, and uh, this could at least partially explain for why the Torah places uh, this uh, mitzvah uh, right here. So we're told that when the children of Israel uh, are in uh, Kadesh, the wilderness of Tzin, on the first day of the first month, the month that we call Nisan, in the 40th year. Uh, and on that day, Miriam uh, dies. And so uh, we realize that the Torah has essentially skipped over any events that may have occurred uh, during the past 38 years. Uh, the events of the Exodus and uh, the giving of the Torah and building of the Mishkan and so on, uh, and up to and including the uh, Miraglim uh, scouting out the land of, uh, of, of Israel, all that happens uh, by the uh, into the second year in the desert. And then it's decreed that they are to remain in the desert for a total of 40 years. And so from the second year until the 40th year, the Torah says uh, nothing. As we uh, come to understand, um, it is uh, during this time that uh, Nevoah, the prophecy, has uh, ceased from Moshe because the entire Jewish people are in a state of, of sadness uh, due to this uh, decree, the fact that they are all dying out during that generation in the desert, and when there is a pervasive sadness, so even the Navi doesn't receive Nevoah. But this is the 40th year, and uh, this is uh, when things are about to change. So the first thing that we learn about is the death of Miriam, um, uh, the older sister of Moshe. She is buried in Kadesh in the wilderness of Sin. And immediately after that, the Torah says that the people complain about a lack of water. Chazal explained that the connection between Miriam's death and water is that during the time that Miriam was with them, a source of water followed them in the desert uh, from place to place. It's known as Be'er Miriam, the well of Miriam, but when she died, it disappeared. Uh, it, needed to, uh, it needed to be brought back. And so Hashem says to the people, uh, says, says to Moshe, assemble the people, and there is a rock which uh, until this point produced uh, the water. Uh, now, uh, what you are to do, Moshe, is to speak to the rock, uh, command that the rock produce its water. Moshe assembles the people, and in the presence of the people and in the presence of Aharon, he says, shall we bring forth water? And he strikes, strikes the rock twice. And this is a disobedience to what Hashem had ordered. And therefore Hashem says that both you, Moshe, and Aharon will not uh, enter the land of Israel because you failed to sanctify me. These waters are known as the waters of Merivah, the waters of strife. And it's at this point that uh, Moshe and Aharon uh, are told that they are not to enter the land uh, of Israel. The next section deals with uh, Israel's encounter with Edom. Remember, Edom descends from Esav, who was Yaakov's brother, twin brother. Uh, and so they are, they are brothers. Uh, and, and the territory of Edom is very close to the territory of Israel. Uh, 
As they get close, Israel sends a message to Edom saying, we have returned from Egypt and we are now about to claim our, uh, our portion of land. Uh, please allow us to pass through your land on the way to our land. You have your land uh, as you received from your ancestor, Esau, and uh, we would like to claim our land that we should receive through our ancestor, Yaakov. Both of us are descendants of, uh, of Abraham and Yitzchak. But Edom says you shall not pass through. Israel offers to pay for any water. Edom refuses, and therefore Israel travels around Edom. They do not engage Edom in the battle. Uh, we find out later on in the Torah that Hashem told Moshe explicitly not to engage Edom in battle, uh, but rather to travel around. As they're traveling around, they come to a place called Mount Hor, Hor and Hashem says that it's at this place, at Hor that Aharon will die and he will be buried on Mount Hor. Uh, but, but first you must transfer the office of Kohen Gadol of High Priest from Aharon to the older of his two surviving sons, Elazar. And so the Torah describes to us how the three of them, Moshe, Aharon, and Elazar, uh, go up on Hol Hahar. Uh, Moshe takes the clothes uh, of the high priesthood, Kohuna uh, Gedola, off of Aharon and clothes Elazar, and then Aharon dies a very peaceful death. And when the two of them, the two remaining ones, Moshe and Elazar, uh, come down, the people notice it and they mourn for Aharon for 30 days. We'll talk more about uh, that uh, in a few minutes. As they are uh, traveling through this area, uh, we find out that they are, uh, they are attacked. Uh, Chazal explained that the reason why they're open to attack uh, is because in, due to the death of Aharon, another uh, gift of Hashem is taken away, and that is the uh, the clouds that protect them. And so the people in the area uh, think that uh, Israel is open to be attacked. And so they do. They attack from Arad, which is in the south. And they take captive uh, uh, from, from B'nai Israel. And it's at this point Israel uh, swears that if Hashem helps us to be victorious against his people, uh, we will destroy them. And Israel is victorious. Uh, and this place is called Chorma, which means destruction. So this shows that B'nai Yisrael are, uh, are ready to, uh, to do what, it, what, it, uh, what is needed in order to claim their land. But right now, they're acting in self-defense. However, they continue to travel. Uh, there, and there are further complaints on the road. Uh, they have to travel around, and the people get uh, get impatient, uh, and the people uh, complain against uh, both Moshe and against Hashem, uh, against Hashem. Why did you take us out of the land of Egypt? Here we go again. Um, and uh, Hashem uh, releases poisonous snakes uh, that bite many of the people, and many people die. Uh, and that's when the people realize we were wrong. Moshe, please pray for us. Uh, and uh, Moshe, uh, Hashem tells Moshe to 
take a uh, a staff, a very tall staff, and place a snake, the image of a snake on top of it, and put it on top of the, the pole. Whoever will look at the copper snake, and Moshe makes it, it's made out of copper, uh, is cured of the snake bite. And as Chazal explained, that's because by looking up, they are reminded that they have to rely on Hashem and not complain to Hashem uh, as, things, uh, as things occur. They are traveling now on the outskirts of two other territories, uh, first Moab and also the Amorites. And as they travel, the Torah records that, uh, that they sing various songs uh, in praise to Hashem for producing water from the well. Uh, it's a special uh, well song, and they continue on their travels, but they are going around uh, the territory of Moab. Uh, remember, Moab is a descendant of Lot, Moshe, uh, Avraham's uh, nephew, and the Amorites, the other, uh, the other local people. And uh, as they get closer, there are a number of victories that uh, Israel have has against Sichon, the king of the Emory, and uh, Og, the giant Og, was the king of Bashan. And as they have victory after victory in the territory outside of the land of Israel, very close to the land of Israel, um, so this shows that B'nai Israel is more and more ready to, uh, to take over their land, uh, as, will be, uh, as will be necessary. And we conclude the parasha with B'nai Israel being encamped uh, in this area right across uh, from, uh, from Yericho. Uh, I said we should uh, examine a little bit more about the, uh, the death of Aharon. Uh, so the Torah tells us that... Uh, when uh, B'nai Israel were on the on the boundary of the land, uh, on the boundary of the land of Edom, Hashem commands that Aharon is going to be uh, gathered unto his people, meaning he's going to die. He's not going to enter the land, as we learned about earlier in the parasha, um, but instead transfer the office of Kohen Gadol from Aharon uh, to his son Elazar, and then Elazar will uh, will take over and Aharon will die. And Moshe did so. Uh, they go up the mountain. Moshe strips Aharon of his uh, priestly vestments, puts them on to Elazar, and Aharon dies. Um, and when Moshe and Elazar come down, the whole community, the Torah says, the whole community could see that Aharon had died, and therefore all of the house of Israel uh, mourned for Aharon. They cried for Aharon for 30 days. So the number of uh, parts of this uh, passage uh, that Rashi comments on. First, uh, Hashem tells Moshe, kach et aharon, literally take aharon. But as Rashi explains here, and he says a similar con uh, comment in a number of uh, places, that uh, take uh, doesn't mean to pick him up physically, but rather it means persuade. Use consoling words in order to persuade Aharon uh, to, uh, to do this, to go up the mountain in order to die. And the words of consolation that Moshe has for Aharon is, uh, you should consider yourself uh, fortunate 
that you uh, will actually live to see your uh, office uh, transferred from you to your uh, to your to your child, which is something that I Moshe will not be able to see, uh, because Moshe's successor is is not his own child, uh, but rather his student Yehoshua. Uh, then uh, the Torah says uh, that. Uh, Moshe is to strip uh, Aharon of his uh, garments, uh, his uh, the garments of the Kohen Gadol. Uh, and so Rashi uh, describes in greater detail what happened. Moshe says to Aharon, enter the cave. He did so. There was a bed which was spread out and a light burning. That means that Aharon is, that's where Aharon will lie, lie down. He says, lie down, he does, stretch out your hands, he does so, close your mouth, close your eyes, and, uh, and then Aharon dies, and he dies very peacefully. And Moshe, uh, when he sees this, uh, desires a similar death. Um, it's called uh, the death of a kiss, and the divine kiss. Uh, and uh, ultimately, that is what happens to Moshe as well. So, Moshe does as he was commanded, and again, Rashi points out he does so, even though there is a certain amount of uh, distress, distress in this, because this is, this is his uh, older brother that Moshe is preparing for death. And yet he does as Hashem uh, commands him to do so. He did not delay. When the entire community sees that Aharon had, uh, has died, uh, the entire people... Uh, mourns, they all grieve. Uh, and the reason this is so is because, first of all, says Rashi, uh, the people have difficulty believing that Aharon, who had essentially confronted the angel of death uh, during the plague that comes after the, uh, the rebellion of Korah, that this same Aharon is himself uh, vanquished by death. How is that possible? And so Moshe uh, is given... Uh, is given the opportunity to show the people by means of the angels to show the people that uh, what it looks like up on the mountain where Aharon has died, and that's when they uh, believed. And finally, uh, the Torah points out that it's the entire Jewish people, without exception, that uh, mourned for for the loss of uh, Aharon. Uh, this is in contrast to Moshe who, uh, when he dies, it doesn't seem that everybody mourned. Uh, Moshe was um, much uh, stricter uh, a person. And that's why Aaron was so beloved by everyone, uh, men and women, husbands and wives, because Aaron made it his, uh, his goal to pursue peace and to promote uh, peace and love between husbands and wives and uh, neighbors and friends and relatives. Uh, and therefore, when the great peacemaker uh, was no longer with the people of Israel, uh, everyone from uh, every part of the community, uh, they all mourned for the loss of the great peacemaker, Aharon. That's why we say that Aharon is a role model of loving peace and pursuing peace. I thank you very much for uh, joining me for this exploration of Parashat Chukat.
this has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher of Parashah Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.